Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. G'day, welcome. This is Better Than Yesterday, making it better since 2013. Now, I like, there you go. That's going to be in our cup, I think. Should we get some merch? I reckon we should get some merch. Maybe we'll making it better since 2013 and just a wink <laughs> on the coffee cup. I don't know. Uh, yeah, this is Better Than Yesterday, making your day-to-day better than yesterday by having conversations with people from all over the world, from all walks of life. Just trying to find out how to do it a little bit better. Because that's what life is, is to grow, is to change, is to move, is to move forward, is to create a new. Because if you're not if you're not growing, what are you doing? You know? Everything that's alive grows. And that's through these conversations what I'm trying to find for myself. And hopefully, well, yeah, thankfully, considering the people that write and uh, people that listen, tell me that is what's happening to you. So we're here Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Mondays and Wednesdays with a guest and Fridays, like today, I'm here with you. I am Osha. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Osha Ginsberg. I'm a podcaster. I'm an author. I'm a TV host. I'm a comedy show putter on and a uh, had a cracking time in Newcastle last week, which was fun. It was super fun. Technical malfunctions aside, if you came to the show, thank you so much for putting up with it. But boy, best of intentions undone by a few technical glitches. But hey, you know, I got a, I was a bit pissed off uh, for a second, but then I'm like, I've got a show to do. And there's like a hundred and something people downstairs. I got to let go of this. I got to let, let go of it fast. You know, I can't be upset right now because that's not going to serve me or anybody. I just got to, yeah. Because resentment used to be a problem for me, like a big problem. And I had to, I had to learn a lot about it because resentment used to drive the bus as far as I'm concerned. Um, You probably know the um, quote attributed to Nelson Mandela that resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. Yeah, we know that one. But there's another one that I do very much love. And yeah, 
Yes, it's Buddhist, but hey, the Buddhists, yeah, come on. If I had to align it with any kind of way of working, it's, that's a good one for me. I like it. Yeah, I'm closest to that more than anything. There's a, a Buddhist philosopher from the 5th century, uh, Buddha Gosa. Uh, he was a translator as well. He was writing about anger, uh, which is, you know, resentment. And uh, he wrote about anger and he wrote, by doing this, you are like a man who wants to hit another man and picks up a burning ember or excrement in his hand and so first burns himself or makes himself stink. So in a little more modern English, it's like by being angry, you're like a guy who wants to hit another guy, so picks up a, a burning thing from the fire to try and throw at him, but you burn yourself first, or picking up a piece of shit and trying to throw shit at the guy, but not understanding that now you've got shit all over your hand and now you stink. That's it. I love that. Because that's what resentment feels like if I don't realize that I'm holding it because resentment sneaks up on me. I don't realize that I've got it inside me. I don't realize that it's driving the bus, you know? And resentment, for me, it, it, it begins often when I feel like I've been wronged, if I've been slighted, if I've been disrespected if I've been treated unfairly by someone else. Now, I don't discriminate. It could be a conflict with someone, the rare occasion that uh, I'll un- someone will betray my trust, having my needs not met. But for most of, the, most of it, for me, it is a perceived inequality. Because as, as far as I understand it for me, resentment at its core, resentment is what fills the gap between our expectations and reality, like emotional builder's foam. It's it's malleable for a bit. It's quite dangerous. But when it hardens up, it becomes pain and anger. And that ends up making choices for me until I you know, have to go and see my psychologist and have it chiseled off like the dentist does with that spiky hook thing on my front teeth. When reality falls short of what I'm expecting it to be, it can lead to negative emotions. Uh, I can feel anger, I can feel disappointment, and yes, I can feel resentment. But you know me, I I like to try and figure out how my brain is working. So I can not that I can stop it when I'm in full flight, because there's, I'm, I find it quite difficult to stop myself acting in an automatic way when I'm triggered. That's um, it's better if I think about it beforehand, but at the very least, if I can figure out how my brain got to where it got and why I did what I did, I can apologize with a, in a bit more of a meaningful way and hope that I can make some difference and take responsibility once the flood has let go of the wheel, let go of my control center. When I first learned CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, I learned a lot about biases, um, cognitive biases. And there's a few that show up when I think about creating resentment and, and what what feeds and fuels resentments. Two of the two of the big ones are um, confirmation bias and attribution bias. The confirmation bias is you'll know it. It's uh, it's when we selectively look for things that confirm how we feel about something. All right, paying attention to information, I guess that confirms pre-existing beliefs. So. That means what we can do, what it, we allow ourselves then is we can interpret other people's actions in a way that reinforces how we actually feel inside, not, you know, what's actually going on, but it, we reinterpret their action to justify the feeling in our body and that deepens resentment. So this kind of happened, but I'll, so I, fe- I felt insecure at work. 
All right. Even though the evidence that I was hired, you know, above other people and I was doing quite well in comparison to other people, I didn't feel like I belonged there. I didn't feel like I was doing a good job. So when, you know, my boss would ask me, you know, how was your weekend? I would interpret their genuine interest about my life as placating me or treating me like a little kid who needs to feel approval and a pat on the head because that person takes pity on me and gave me the job out of charity. Fuck him, fuck this job, fuck all of you, you know? That is how I actually felt. And it was my insecurity that that did that. I wasn't fun to work around sometimes. There's a couple other things our brains do. Attribution bias, I uh, mentioned before, that can definitely contribute to resentment. And that attributes, I guess, negative actions or negative things towards you. And we attribute them to a person's character rather than considering "Mm, what else might be going on. For example, on the motorbike today, someone cut me off in traffic. Oh, fuck, you're a rude, aggressive motherfucker. Fuck you. Not even considering the possibility that, oh, that person might be running late. That person might be on the phone getting told, the kid's sick, we've got to get to the hospital. That person mightn't have seen me because I have allowed myself as a motorcycle rider to get in their blind spot. Uh, That's on me though. But yeah, you know what I mean? Like we are attributing what they've done to the kind of person they are rather than what else might be happening. Attribution bias is a tricky one because it makes it a lot harder for us to see the full picture. It makes it very difficult to find empathy for people who have hurt us. And for me, the worst part of attribution bias is that it can make it almost impossible for us to see alternative explanations or differing perspectives to our own and very difficult at all to come towards forgiveness. It's really hard. Another way, I guess, to approach a, a different version of attribution bias is something called um, what's it, actor-observer, and it's the actor-observer bias. So the actor-observer bias is when when it comes to me, ah, oh, you know, my behaviour is because of that and that and that. Well, that person's behaviour is because they're a fuckhead. So if I make a mistake, oh, it's, you know, where we are. I didn't sleep very much. If someone else makes a mistake... Ah, they're incompetent. They're careless. They can't fucking drive. Ferris Bueller did this. He used actor-observer bias to, you know, attribute his own behaviour to things like, you know, he felt sick or he wanted a day off school. So he did all of these things because of the external factors. But his sister, uh, Jeannie, he said that she's jealous of him. Well, she's uptight. Nothing to do with what she's dealing with brother like Ferris. Um, what's another version? That, oh, the Taylor Swift song, uh, that Bad Blood song that she wrote about that person. There's a feeling of resentment in those lyrics. I think it's suggesting that the other person's actions, though, in the lyrics, you can hear that, you know, that their actions were because of negative character trait, essentially, rather than considering any external factors that might have influenced why they did what they did. I mean, that wouldn't make a good song. I understand it was a song, but that's kind of, you know, what we're talking about. That person did wrong by me because they're a wrong person. Not that person did this thing because they needed to do something else. I, you know, collateral damage, but I understand it wasn't personal. That's a terrible song. That's not a hit. Bad Blood's a hit. Oh, and there's one last one, which, fuck, I'm guilty of. God, I'm frightened to tell you about this one. Um, Self-serving bias, fuck, it's the worst. 
It's where I attribute my success to um, internal things like um, my effort or my ability and attributing anything I don't succeed at to things beyond my control. Uh, For instance, uh, like in school, if I did well on a test, ah, it's because I'm really smart. If I did not do well on a test, ah, questions were so hard or the test was unfair. They told us to study for this and instead it was that. Boo. Nothing in there at all about my lack of preparation or, or how much I should or did not study at all. Those biases absolutely fuel resentment. They fuel resentment like throwing a water balloon full of two-stroke onto a barbecue. Just kabam. So besides resentment being the poison that we drink and expecting our enemy to die, what, what happens within us if we don't deal with resentment? Well, like a, like a weed on a sunny driveway. It just grows and grows and grows and grows if we don't deal with it. And resentment can actually have negative, really negative effects on our well-being, our physical and mental well-being. It, it can perpetuate a cycle of negativity that just leads to stress and anxiety, even depression. In my experience, resentment absolutely clouds my judgment when I'm in it. Boy, it distorts my perceptions of others, you know, how I think people are and what they're doing and why they're acting. Um, It can damage relationships with people I otherwise quite like, people I otherwise love. And this, all of this, it takes a lot to hold on to. It's a lot of mental load to be this angry at so many things. Resentment takes a lot of effort to hold on to. It consumes mental energy for me uh, and it it really stops me from enjoying anything positive or seeing a positive aspect to anything that I do. And I learned a very long time ago, the other thing about resentment, particularly for me, which I have to be very careful of, is resentment. Resentment is a, a justification I give myself for poor behavior, you know, shitty behavior. It, it affects my choices. It can really influence my decision-making. It can, I can make really impulsive choices or irrational choices driven by that negative feeling, those negative emotions, choices made out of fear, choices made out of revenge, you know, fuck, the worst. And for me, when resentment takes hold, it really becomes challenging to objectively evaluate anything or consider an alternative perspective, understand that it could be another way of looking at things. And what happens then is that I just get back into this, this cycle of more resentment and more harm. It's no good. Resentment's like uh, it's like our athlete's foot, you know. You can ignore it for a little bit, but eventually you're going to clear a room just because the stink that walks with you every step of the way. So what's the – what is the active ingredient? Clotra clot, – what is it? Clotramazole? What's the clotramazole cream for resentment? <laughs> Or a lotion or spray or powder. What's that? Well, there isn't one. But there are ways to look at it. There are ways to diffuse resentment, I guess. First up is self-awareness. For me, I, I, I try to recognize what, what it feels like in my body when it's happening or understand. Because it's hard to know if it's coming out of my mouth or if I'm going on. But it's usually, for me, it shows up in my body. There's a spot inside that it shows up for me. It's usually in my stomach. That's how I feel it. It appears as differently to anger or fear or rage or whatever. But that's how I know when it's, ah, it's there. If I'm feeling that, I'm like, ah, that's the thing. And that is the first step to going, oh, I'm in this thing. What do I do now? And the next thing that I got taught how to do was to, and I did this begrudgingly. I'm not going to say I do any, did any of this willingly at first. 
sometimes I still don't, work on empathy, you know, work on accepting another perspective or at least understanding another perspective. It's hard, but I very much try to put myself in the position of the other person or the other situation or the other thing, whatever it is. What's their intentions? What are they trying to achieve? What's their background? What other factors might have influenced what's happened here? And it sucks because to do it, I have to give up being right. But it needs to happen if I want to get on the pathway that is out of resentment, and that is forgiveness. Now, there's plenty of ways that you can get to forgiveness. And you don't always, you don't always should do it face-to-face. You know, sometimes it's, I've had terrible experiences doing it face-to-face. Fuck me, I've blown it so bad. Uh, you can write a letter. I've done that. You can write a letter, which you never send. So if you're just new to this and you've done it. So in the olden days, what we do is use a pen and put it on a piece of paper. The kind, yeah, the thing you put in a printer. And we write, you know, with the pen. It makes words. And we would put it in another piece of paper that was folded up and had glue and give it to, a, you know, put it in a metal box at the end of the street. And then someone would pick that up and take it to the other side of the world for 80 cents. That doesn't happen anymore. But you can still write thoughts down. And somehow that helps our brains process things. It's good. You can even write this stuff down. You can forgive yourself for your role in what the situation is. I have used loving kindness meditation. I absolutely have. I'm no lie, absolutely no lie, but I would I would practice loving kindness meditations with ScoMo. I was just, the, the buffoonery that was taking up so much bandwidth in my day, I just had to let it go because I couldn't get anything done or engage with anything meaningfully because there was so much shit flying around in my head. So it's a loving kindness meditation or meta is the other name for it. And I would do it with Scott Morrison. I really would. Uh, it really helped. It really, really, really helped. And if it's someone that you don't know or someone that you do know, Uh, it also kind of helped for me to kind of remember that generally people aren't evil. They're not deliberately mean. They're just doing what they think is the right thing to do. And it might feel mean to me, but as far as they're concerned, they are trying to help me too. They really are. They're trying to, no, you don't understand. I'm doing this for you. That's a hard one to get to, but it's all, it's, it's all hard. It's not that it's easy. If it's another person, only after you've done all that other work, would I say, in my experience, because I have done it beforehand, that only then is it time to start approaching the other person and then open your mouth and speak? Because all that feeling and all that kind of negativeness can come out in the tone of voice. And it's really important to get it all gone before you talk. Why would you talk to set a boundary, a healthy boundary? You've got to do a bit of housework. You've got to remove the hurt and the anger out of the equation. But you could have an open and honest conversation about your feelings. It's, it's really hard. I try to get better at it with practice. I'm not, I'm nowhere near good at it, but I try. It, it's hard to clearly express what's hurt you and then, you know, try to work towards some sort of resolution, some sort of compromise. It's difficult. But if it's a situation I can't avoid, like it's a job I can't leave, for example, it's worth it. If it's a person I know I'm going to be working with, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's easier to do than it is to hold on to all that stuff. And setting a healthy boundary or a reasonable boundary or a reasonable expectation or a reasonable place for you to both work towards, that can keep both of you out of resentment going forward. Easier said than done. I'm just trying to, you know, share what was taught to me, what I'm yet to perfect or get anywhere near close to getting right. Um, The last thing I'd say is that I, I knew nothing about any of this. None of it. I just walk around being angry and fuck him and fuck that and fuck you and like just... It was only by understanding that resentment was absolutely ruining my life and then asking for help 
that I learned ways to deal with it. And I learned it in 12-step groups. I learned it from my sponsor. I learned it from the various and very patient psychologists that I've had over the years. And it takes practice. And as much damage as resentment was doing for me, this is the wild part, as much damage as I knew it was doing for me and how much it was destroying my, me and my career and people around me and all that, I didn't want to let go of it because it felt safe. It gave me justification. It gave me an excuse to behave badly. It gave me to, it allowed me to justify losing my temper or being a prick to work with. It was also destroying my relationships and my career and, and sucking the joy out of my day. I also had to learn how to be with my part in a situation, which I hated because that was all brand new to me. Um, I had to learn how to take responsibility for what I had contributed to that moment of hurt and pain. And I got dragged kicking and screaming to this one because that responsibility was sometimes I chose to be there. Yeah, fuck it, the worst. It sucked, but it did start to free me from that crushing weight of being so fucked off at so many things for so long. Nowadays, I do my very best to try to let go of resentment as soon as it shows up, as soon as I'm aware of it. It might not be as soon as it shows up, but as soon as I'm aware of it, like like dog shit on my shoe, I will make the time as quick as I can to hose it off, lest I walk that poop ball over my inside of my car, my house, my work, everywhere else I like to be. It's it can, it's a daily thing, all right, but it's worth it. It's not forever. Like it's just just do it as you go. It's worth it because even though. I did give away this thing that I thought was safety, this thing that was justification for shit behavior, this thing that I'd come to rely on in return by getting rid of that, giving that away. I've got so much more energy, so much more brain space to think about stuff, so much more happiness, so much more joy. It's like I said, it's work, but it's worth it. You know, every day is a chance to, to let go of this stuff and to live this day not holding on to any ickiness or any anger, anything that might be making choices that don't belong in this moment. Because in that space where those things used to be, that volume, that energy that it used to take to hold on to that shit, there's room, there's room for possibility. And that is a far more lovely place to be. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't really intend this to be 25 minutes worth. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't really intend this to be 25 minutes long, but um, there you go. That's uh, what happens when you start thinking about uh, resentment. And um, look, it was a good gig. And it was a good gig. I hope some of this helped you. I hope it made sense to you. I was just kind of talking out loud about how I try to process those things. If it helped you, please maybe write this podcast or let's just let someone know about it, you know, text somebody. Hey, that guy who does that thing, he did this. Have a listen. It's interesting. I hope it gives you something. I hope you can use some of this today. If it does help you, please do let me know. Send us your email at gmail.com. You can uh, send me uh, anything if you like. Send me a photo of where you're listening to this. I'd love to see that. Send us your email at gmail.com. Big thanks to um, all the people that helped me make this show. Thank you very much to uh, Andy Ma who does audio and video posts, well, just audio posts today, Andy, and Rachel Barrett, the EP of everything, and Toe who made the music. Thank you very much. Okay. I'll see you Monday. And guess who's here on Monday? Holy moly, team. The man.
He's finally made it. Rich Roll. Rich Roll is on the show. My doppelganger. <laughs> the best. He's the best. I love that guy like a brother. He's unbelievable. If you don't know Rich or if you've never heard his show, pop on over and take in some Rich Roll. But he and I go back a long way, like 2012 or something. We go back a long time and we... Uh, we cover a lot. It's a long one, dude, but it's really good. I can't wait for you to hear it. I'll, uh, I'll see you Monday. Thanks. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 